At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Greg Peterson here, and welcome to the 294th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where three days a week we work together educating and inspiring you to become part of your food revolution. Growing plants that thrive in your yard is a lot easier than you think. It starts with saving your own seeds and letting them remember what they already learned. Just text SEEDS to 33444 or visit IWANTTOSAVESEEDS.COM and you will receive our free webinar about why seeds matter, why saving them is easy, and how to save your own. Today on our podcast, we have a young millennial who has taken her passion for food to the next level. We're talking to Lindsay Jacobs about her pathway to farmerhood. Lindsay is a graduate of the Zenger Farm Internship Program, where she learned how to address food justice issues, develop efficiency and endurance in farming methods, and about best practices for chicken husbandry. She earned her degree in graphic design and interior architecture from James Madison University and is using that on marketing, branding, and design expertise for farm infrastructure. She received her permaculture design certificate in Portland. Lindsay and her business partner, Lauren, who was our guest on episode 293, run Sprout and Blossom Farm in Vancouver, Washington. Combining their social and environmental justice passions with permaculture and sustainability-inspired practices for animal, plant, and human systems on their farm. Welcome to the show today, Lindsay. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, absolutely. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? Yeah, of course. So I'm originally from the East Coast. I grew up in Alexandria, Virginia, a suburb of Washington, D.C. And then from there, that's I studied at James Madison, as you said before. And then after college, I kind of went and traveled for a bit abroad and that's kind of when I found myself out here on the west coast in Oregon. I had heard about wolfing and I'd always been somewhat interested in farming and learning more about farming so I decided to spend some time on a wolf farm. Um, I spent about a summer just learning about small-scale farming in a more homesteady kind of environment and that's when I met Lauren and we decided with one other person that we wanted to move to Portland. As soon as I got to Portland, I kind of immersed myself in what the city has to offer in terms of sustainable agriculture and just like learning a lot more about holistic health and permaculture. So that's when I decided to take my PDC through City Repair and, you know, connect with some like-minded individuals within the city from there, you know, I got even more interested in learning about 
farming in particular. And, you know, that's when I found myself at Zenger Farm. I pretty much from there kind of opened up doors to a lot more things. I would say I have Lauren to thank for kind of making this connection so that we've been able to start this farm together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, it's kind of been a very much learning experience, you know, starting my own, my own farm. I definitely, you know, would never have guessed that at 26 <laughs> I would be running my own business or farm. I kind of was just like, yeah, when the opportunity presented itself, it was kind of like, let's do this. You know, how, you know, how many people get this opportunity? Yeah. And I'm like, I think a lot of people have the opportunities it's how many people actually grasp them and go for it. Yeah. So you should be commended for your willingness to see the opportunity and move forward with it. Yeah, definitely was like a hard choice to make, but I mean, totally worth it. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. So I want to actually rewind here because it, it seems like the permaculture design course came first, then Zenger Farm internship came and then this notion of starting your urban farm came to be is that the kind of the order in which things happened yeah and then i would say woofing in front of them my oh, right. culture exactly course. so what what was the inspiration that got this whole thing started the woofing because that's where you started this conversation right is with the woofing Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. What, what was the inspiration behind that? Yeah, I think that I might, this might be a little bit dark, but we kind of live in a really scary world. And for me, amen to that. I, yeah. And for me, you know, the one thing that made sense to me was food and, you know, like food is life. And I, I've always been really interested in plants. But I never really, you know, took the time to really understand how to grow food for myself. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I just really wanted to be able to live a more self-sufficient, sustainable life, be able to grow food for myself and then for, you know, my loved ones and my friends as well. Yeah. So I think that is definitely what originally drove me into the path that I'm currently on. Perfect. So then woofing came along. Woofing, for those of you who don't know it, it's W-W-O-O-F. What does it stand for? Willing Workers on Organic Farm. Yeah. Tell us, tell us about how that works. Yeah. So for me, well, there's a website and you pay like small fee and then you have access to all these different woofing farms. It's kind of like Facebook for farms in a way. Oh, so that's a good way of putting it. Own yeah, they, each farm has their own profile, and I knew for me that I wanted to be in Oregon near Portland, mm-hmm. so that's kind of where I started my search, and I found this amazing farm. Um, it's called Fiddle Farm, right outside Hood River, and I contacted them and, you know, said I'm interested in coming out, kind of gave them my timeline, and that's when they were like, yeah, we would love to have you. They asked me a few questions, you know, and then... I like packed up my car from Virginia and just drove out here. Wow, that's pretty brave. (laughs) Yeah. I remember texting one of my friends right before I got to the farm and being like, if you don't hear from me in an hour, you know, here's this is where I am. I just had no idea what to expect. Right. But it turned out to be like a really amazing experience. Um, (laughs) Nice. Nice. Okay, good. So then fast forward some amount of time. And you hear about this term called permaculture, and you decide to take a PDC, which is a permaculture design course. Tell us about that. 
Yeah. So I did mine in, in Portland through City Repair, which is like a really great organization. Permaculture. I, in like the simplest terms, like working with nature and not against it. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like another big part of permaculture for me is connecting with community, working with others. Mm-hmm. Do you have a definition for permaculture that you've created? I wouldn't say necessarily that I've created. I think kind of what I just said, like, you know, working with nature and not mm-hmm. against it and kind of giving back instead of taking. Yeah. And, you know, thinking more about the big picture and not about yeah. the short term. Perfect. Perfect. I like to define permaculture when people ask me the art and science of working with nature. How do we work in the flow of nature rather than against nature? Mm-hmm. So yeah, then, then, com- then comes Zenger Farms Internship Program. What is that? I've never heard of that before. Yeah, so Zenger Farm, they are an educational nonprofit in southeast Portland. And among all their programs, they have an internship program where essentially they are training the future farmers of America, I would say. You work with, we, I had two managers and a crew, three other people, and yeah, pretty much giving you all the tools to, you know, do what I've done, start my own farm. They emphasize, you know, endurance and speed and being mindful, just like, yeah, and I would say it was pretty, like, they're very tough on me, but also, like, without them, I don't think I would be the farmer that I am, yeah. as and as well as just farming, they're addressing lots of issues of food justice. Their, you know, their mission is food for all. They have a bunch of grant programs where they're working with low-income families. They're working with health clinics that prescribe CSA shares. They're just like a really, really amazing and inspiring um, nice. organization to work for. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on their uh, webpage, Zenger, Z-E-N-G-E-R, farm.org. And it says, we are a working urban farm that models, promotes, and educates about sustainable food systems, environmental stewardship, community development, and access to good food for all. How nice is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they definitely, I would say, like, very true to what their word, you know, they're, they're yeah. really doing it. Nice. Nice. Cool. So when we had... Lauren on, we talked about the community interface of your farm. And, and what I want to talk with you about today is how did the farm come about and what's it look like? So let's stand at the front entrance of the farm and tell me, what does it look like? Give me a mental picture of what you have there. Yeah. So we're really lucky. Our farm is on Vancouver Lake. So in the far distance, you're going to see a farmhouse and the lake. And then, you know, as you enter the property, there's three really old um, Italian plum trees. And we have our chickens. We have a flock of um, 24 hens. And then we have a rooster. You know, we built a mobile chicken coop on an old boat trailer. So it's movable. Oh, nice. Yeah pretty awesome it's actually like a piece of I would say it's a work of art it's beautiful Uh Um, (laughs) yeah and then we have a couple different fields going on we have our main plot which is named Jupiter and it's got all of our tomatoes and beets and carrots we've kind of developed a more of a permanent bed 
infrastructure. So we have raised beds where we've dug out our pathways and then we're focusing on building up each individual bed. Um, we use like, I think over 60 yards of compost and, wow. you know, adding them. Yeah. A lot of compost as well as like amendments and things like that. So I think that that is like a little bit different approach to uh-huh. most farms. We're not using any machinery really. We rented a sod cutter in the beginning and uh, borrowed a BCS tiller. But other than that, we're just, doing everything by hand. Yeah, cool. So Lauren Lauren mentioned the sod cutter, and I, I knew that you and I were going to be talking more logistics of how the farm came to be, so I waited to ask you about the sod cutter. What was the sod cutter for? Yeah, so when we first got to this property, pretty much everything was lawn, aside from a little bit of garden space on one part of the property. So we kind of decided that we didn't want to be working against the grass throughout the whole season, that we were going to remove it. Uh So we rented a sod cutter in the rain, or it was like maybe like one of the only dry days. We cut all the sides really quickly. And then in the rain, we rolled it all up, you know, and we moved it. And we were able to create some berms throughout the property, kind of like a frugal culture berm. We layered in, you know, sticks and like logs, and then we added sod and then we did sheet mulching and putting cardboard and then more compost. Mm -hmm. So kind of building up those kind of systems. And yeah, we sod cutted a bunch of different plots. And then from there, as I just sort of explained to you, we went into the raised beds, building our raised beds. Excellent. So this sod that you cut out of there, what did you do with it? We made the berms. So we have berms throughout the property. We also had a little bit of fun with it. We made a sod couch. Oh, nice. A giant, yeah, giant sod couch. Uh-huh. It's pretty amazing. And then, yeah, that's pretty much where most of it all went. It was it was cool that we were able to, you know, oh, and our, also our neighbor... Our neighbor borrowed or took a bunch of it off of our hands to oh, build up her pond or something. Cool. Yeah. And for those of you that don't know what a sod cutter basically is a machine that will come in and take an inch and a half of top off of your lawn. And it's a great way to eradicate grass from the space. So as long as you're not dealing with Bermuda grass, if you're dealing with Bermuda or a, some other invasive species like nutgrass, it doesn't work so well. But So it sounds to me like it worked pretty well for you, though. Mm-hmm. It did. It worked really well. And then the beds that we didn't use a sod cutter, we've definitely been fighting the grass. Yeah. Way more. Right? Yeah. So yeah, exactly. It, it was the right decision. So you also said something. You said Hugel culture. Tell us a little more about that. That's a that's a word that everybody may not know. Yeah. So it's kind of a like, let's see if I can explain this well. Just like layering of different materials to kind of create this bed I guess that breaks down and decomposes over time and you know it can contain and hold on to moisture it's kind of yeah a more beneficial environment to be planting plants in I would say like most people you would be planting more perennial crops on their uh-huh. agriculture beds so that's kind of what we've done basically what you're doing yeah. is you're burying logs and wood under the ground and letting it rot over time right yeah, exactly. Yeah. Should have been more direct with that. <laughs> and how's that working? Yeah, it's been working from what I can tell. Well, it seems like things are slowly starting to decompose and 
the things that we have planted on the berm seem really healthy and happy. Yeah. Super amazing how that works, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it's nice because it adds a little bit more dimension to the farm instead of everything just being so flat. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, Lindsay, what are you actually growing at this point, and what's your distribution for? What are you doing with it? Yeah, so we're growing, I would say, pretty much a little bit of everything. You know, we're growing tomatoes, eggplants, peppers, beet, carrots, all different types of greens. We have some fruit trees on the property, as well as herbs, perennial herbs, cucumbers, corn, melons, squash. Because we're, we kind of have a three-tier model, and we're doing a CSA. We have, it stands for Community Supported Agriculture. Nice. Where we have people who come and pick up a weekly box of produce. Mm-hmm. And then we also do farmer's markets. So we do two different markets through the Vancouver Farmer's Market, and as well as we are doing some wholesale. So we have made some connections with local restaurants and um, some small grocery stores and co-ops within Vancouver and Portland. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, when I was in college, uh, I went back to college late in life. And when I was in college from 99 to 03, I truck farmed my front and backyards. And my two favorite things to do were go to the farmer's market And then anything that I had left over from the farmer's market, I took it over to my friend Susan, who owned a small restaurant here in town, and I would just take whatever I had left over to her, and she'd feed me lunch. Mm, That sounds awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So in looking at your life landscape and your farm landscape, tell me something that just really makes you pause and take a deep breath and say, oh my gosh, I am doing the right thing with my life. Yeah. I mean, I get to wake up every morning and walk around my farm and, you know, see things growing. I mean, yeah, just, it's just beautiful to be able to just be outside every day and um, kind of look around and at least for me like we started with literally nothing like it was a big blank canvas and now we have you know this I would say very like productive farm that you know Lauren and I have pretty much created on our own Mm -hmm. um, with the help of like our amazing friends and community but I just sort of takes my breath away every time Mm. I get to look at it (laughs) it's really amazing so you Mm -hmm. live you live on site I do. I live at the farm. I yeah. actually live in a tiny house on the property. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. On a real tiny house? Mm-hmm. How yeah, big is it? Yeah, on a tiny house. How big is it? Oh, gosh. I think it's, it's on the bigger side. It's maybe like 26 feet long. It's on an old trailer. Yeah. Ah, oh, very good. Uh-huh. I can't take much credit. It's not necessarily my tiny house. It's the people who own the land. Yeah. Tiny house. But. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect, perfect, perfect. So I'm going to shift on you, and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you might have learned from it. Yeah. So I think like any new business, organization is key and something that I feel as though we could might have failed a little bit on or is lacking in our our business this year. Uh-huh. So whether... Like, we didn't really have a crop plan, which is, it's hard, oh, you know. Really you know? important. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I would just say organization in terms of like actually having a crop plan and, you know, record keeping and labeling every bit, all your beds. It's also just can be difficult to just kind of when you're working for yourself Uh to stay stay focused. So I think I could be easily distracted and sometimes um, not as as efficient with my time. Yeah. My my team and I call those frisbees. You know, somebody exactly. throws us a frisbee and we're going off chasing the frisbee. Oh yeah. Welcome to our world. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so what do you consider your biggest success? Mm, yeah, so definitely just all the positive feedback and support that we've gotten from mm. our community. Yeah. It's really, really empowering, like just how many people really genuinely care about Sprout and Blossom and are willing to help. Yeah, it's just like, it makes me so happy to see like all of these people. You know, we've participated in speaking at Slow Foods last week, Lauren and I. We've done a bunch of farm to table dinners. Yeah, and even just like at the farmer's market, just like local chefs just stopping by and saying hi. You know, just like people like, so many people just being so proud of what we're doing. It's just, yeah, I can't really put into words how happy it makes me feel. Mm-hmm. Just all the amazing, yeah, feedback we've been getting. Well, cool. And what drives yeah. you? Oh, yeah, I kind of talked about it a little bit before, but just, you know, food and food is life and being able to grow food for not only myself, but for the people that I love and yeah not only just like I think it's really really important to give back to mother earth and give back to the community and I found that through food and growing food that that is the way that I can give back the most Mm. nice nice if you could recommend one book for our listeners what would it be and why yeah so I'm going to go kind of towards the farming realm of things. And for me, Guy's Garden was like a very influential book Mm. by Tommy Hemingway. Uh Yeah, it definitely was like my first taste of permaculture. And yeah, I think it was just had a great impact on me and very helpful. Yeah. So for information on Toby on our podcast, we had him... He has since passed away, unfortunately, almost a year ago now, but about a year and a half ago, we had him on the podcast. So if you type in Toby in the search bar at urbanfarmpodcast.com, you'll find an interview with Toby. So what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? Yeah, so it kind of might come off like a little bit cliche, but do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. I just think it's really important to Mm. find what you love and, you know, focus your energy into that and on your into your interest and just like don't sell yourself short, like just because you feel like you have to take one path, like really straight, stay true to yourself. and you know, you'll find what makes sense to you. And it's always changing. Like, yeah, I'm farming right now, but it could change. And like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Just stay true to yourself and do what makes you happy yeah. and do it with integrity. As I like to say, farm out for that one. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> well, thank you so much thank for you. joining us on the show today, Lindsay. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So how can our listeners get a hold of you? 
Yeah. So you can find my farm, sproutandblossomfarm.com, as well as on Instagram. It's the same, Sprout and Blossom Farm. You could also find my personal Instagram. It's Lindsay Jacobs. And yeah, just reach out to me. I also have Facebook. Any of those work. Perfect. Perfect. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash blossom. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Growing plants that thrive in your yard is a lot easier than you think. It starts with saving your own seeds and letting them remember what they already learned. Just text SEEDS to 33444 or visit IWantToSaveSeeds.com and you will receive our free webinar about why seeds matter, why saving them is easy, and how to save your own. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.